Shelves, a podcast where two librarians discuss books, movies, games, and you know, anything you can find on your shelf. I'm your host, Dan Major, and I have failed two times in a row to hit record as we're recording this podcast and wasted several hours of our time. And I am joined by James Pugh. A I very am a... patient James Pugh. <laughs> a librarian in training. Third time's the charm, buddy. Never let me use the sound I will. Again. I will not. <laughs> Next month is you, so... <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Uh, what are we talking about today, buddy? We are talking about board games and video games and tabletop games. Games that you can find on your shelves and on the shelves of the library. Oh. Um, we're talking about the history of it, going through some... Yep. All the way from uh, historical board games from 2500 BCE wow. all the way up to present day. Well, let's get at it. Yeah. Um, I'd like to start off, first of all, by recognizing somebody who did a lot for our board game collection at the library, at Orion Library. Um, her name is Gina. She uh, was a fantastic librarian who started our board game collection. She would go to MLA and like present at conferences. That's the Michigan Library Association. She'd present there, talk about why libraries should have board games. Uh, she went to Gen Con, which is a big board mm-hmm. game convention, um, and she reached out to a couple of the... Uh, board game developers and got some free copies and we still have them today yeah yeah we have like pre-release copies of board games before they actually went to retail and stuff too it's really cool yeah and because of her she basically started our whole board game circulating collection so we'd like to just recognize her real quick because without without that you guys wouldn't be able to enjoy some pretty awesome board games that are too expensive to buy yeah and honestly cataloging books and getting books into circulation really easy Board games, <laughs> counting all those pieces, cataloging every little thing takes a lot more time and effort. So she really did a lot of work to launch that collection. She did. Um, but as I mentioned, um, 2500 BCE, uh, so about 4,500 years ago, uh, <laughs> is when the game of Go was created. Um, and it has been continuously played with minimal rule changes for wow. over 4,000 years now. Wow, um, and it is the oldest board game that is still played to this day. It was uh, created in China, um, and oh no, five hundred, five hundred BCE, not twenty five hundred. So it's like twenty five hundred years old. Yes, not forty five hundred. Oh, okay. but still, yeah, yeah, yeah. still, that's but impressive. still, yeah, older than me. Um, <laughs> and uh, so Go is kind of a, a almost chess type game. Okay. Um, and created in China, very popular in all of East Asia. It's actually more popular in Japan than it is in China now. Okay. Um, but it is representative of, uh, actually, well, I'll, I'll get to that. But um, one of the books that I used for reference for today's episode is called The Oxford History of Board Games by David Parlett. Um, and the way he breaks down his book is not like a chronological history of board games, uh-huh. but a categorical history of board games. So he puts games like Go and chess into a category of strategy and war games, um, okay. which is one of the that, categories of, of older, you know, historical games. Like like my pieces are going to take your pieces. and Exactly. Okay. Like you have to kind of anticipate yeah. what the other person is doing and try to 
overcome them. Okay. Um, the other categories he came up with for categorizing board games is alignment and configuration, like tic-tac-toe, um, or oughts and crosses? Oughts and crosses. Oughts and crosses. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. Kept, I kept thinking noughts and crosses, but <laughs> well, we've, we've talked about odds. this. Um, um, or Connect Four. Or Connect Four, mm-hmm. which could also be a strategy war game. Do we have Giant Connect Four? We have Giant Connect Four. We have Giant Tumbling Towers because we can't can't say Jenga. Call it Jenga. <laughs> but, um, and we have a bunch, um, we also have a, a giant tic-tac-toe that you can just kind of throw beanbags at. It's like, yeah, almost like, oh my gosh, people in Michigan freaking love cornhole. And that's almost, <laughs> that's almost like cornhole. Almost like cornhole. <laughs> um, um, anyway. And then we have uh, hunt games like fox and geese where you are trying to capture an opponent or you and your co-player are trying okay. to capture something else on the board. Okay. Um, we've got race games like Parcheesi, Sorry, Trouble, which are like, yeah, you know, modern the, versions. Yeah, of, get to the game mm-hmm. your end first, yeah. Um, and then Mancala-style games where you're trying to collect all the pieces or move the pieces onto your side of the playing field. So like Dominoes and Mahjong and... I actually have no idea how oh. to play Dominoes I've never... or Mahjong. The only dominoes I know is the speed dial for my delivery. That's the that's the only dominoes I've ever had in my life. The only Mancala style <laughs> game I know is Mancala. Mancala. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure there are others if it's a category. But yeah. Anyway, um, sorry. And then there's modern board games, which with the Industrial Revolution were mass produced. Um, so they started to change a little bit more over time. Um, and those are board games like simulation games, like Monopoly or Life, where okay. you're simulating being a real estate developer and you know trying to teach you an allegorical lesson and all that um and life did you ever go to college in life irl no 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 on the, in the game in the game did you in go life to, yes in the game life did you choose the path that took you on college or did you take the path without college probably with college i was gonna say i always i've took... been to college twice so <laughs> i'm going to college twice now no i always took the path that didn't include college because mm-hmm. i was like i'm gonna make more money and it never, I never won. <laughs> so I'm wondering if I went the other way. It's been years since I've played I played that game, so I, I don't even, I just remember like little pink people for kids to choke on, and then you got a, a little van. car, yeah, yeah a minivan. A minivan. Um, so we've got that. We've got trivia games, which um, arose out of drinking culture, absolutely. Um, and, and the Guinness Book of World Records started. The, yeah, just to end. solve trivia disputes, yeah. yes. bars would have Guinness Book of World Records, which Guinness, the beer, is is the brand that started just, that. Yes. You know what I found out about, too, which is really weird, is um, like Michelin-starred restaurants, like Michelin Tires makes the Michelin yes. award. And like I never realized that. I thought it was just a similar naming, but it was like a travel thing yeah. that turned into a, a food thing that's now... They were like so far from the original. Yeah, they were like you can drive to this restaurant and mm-hmm. get good food only and... if you have Michelin tires. Yes, only. if not, you can't eat there. <laughs> um, and then we've got uh, role playing and tabletop games like Dungeons and Dragons. Um, most role playing games are fantasy based, but there's all kinds of role playing games where you have a bunch of dice and assume the role of a character, and there's usually more complex rules and things like that. So. Are these like legacy games? What do you mean when you say legacy? So a legacy game is you can you start playing it in one session, but you don't finish oh, it, and then yeah. you come back to it later. And like I, I've known a lot of 
role-playing games to be legacy games, but yeah. there's also a board game, a Star Wars board game that we played once where it was very tactical and you had it very war strategy. Um, and each mission was like two or three hours long, so you could power do up your characters yeah, yeah. and then come back and do the next mission in the next game session. So they called it a legacy game. Yes. D&D &D is absolutely a legacy. I mean, you can do one-shots, <laughs> um, but... Like, I've been in a D&D &D group that's been going for about eight years now what? or so. Um, that's impressive. And I, I just actually read an article this morning about a D&D &D group that's been going for 40 years. Um, and they, they all have, like, basements full of, like, figurines and wow. terrain that they built and stuff. It's really interesting. And, like, people come and go from the group. Absolutely. And, um, things change, and, like, you play different characters over time. Um, but it's it's neat that you know game games like that are very social oriented, um, as opposed to like when they when video games hit consoles, yes. they went from being a thing you do with your friends to a to thing that thing. you do with alone or with like one friend. Right. And then the internet happened, and now there's like big gaming communities once yeah, again. Online so again, it, yeah. it kind of ebbs and flows in that way. I had not had a good experience with D and D. Yeah, I had one. I went to play one time, and uh, my friend invited me, and I didn't know that they were in the middle of a campaign. Their campaign had been going on for four weeks. Speaking of legacy games, and I showed up, and the dungeon master was just upset. He was just like, "What? Who's this guy? He's not going to be able to make it." <laughs> like, he, we have all these characters. It is, it we is, have all these. In his defense, it is kind of hard when a surprise person shows up to like write in a new character right but also you want to be friendly with the people that are coming to play with you like not. you don't want to exclude them and you don't want to like he absolutely was not <laughs> i made my character i rolled i think i had two turns and then i didn't roll high enough he's like well your character's dead <laughs> it and happens i was like oh but but it was still fun because i still got to hang out and eat snacks and watch people play Ex dungeons and yeah dragons. it's more about the <laughs> snacks than it is about anything else <laughs> Who doesn't love it? <laughs> so um, there is a, another title um, that's kind of related to this. It goes from D&D, &D and it goes on to other categories of gaming as well. Oh, yeah. Um, it's called Fantasy Freaks and Gaming Geeks by Ethan Gilsdorf. Um, and this book, basically, um, the author, it's narrative nonfiction, um, the author played Dungeons and Dragons when he was a kid in junior high and high school and then had like a long gap break where he didn't do any gaming and didn't wasn't involved with, you know, the fantasy or gaming communities at all. Right. And he revisits it as an adult. And it's kind of about the changes from when he was a kid till now. So he explores, you know, Dungeons and Dragons as it exists today and goes to like a gaming con and stuff. Um, he goes to Dragon Con in okay. Atlanta. Okay. Um, he goes through um, MMO, like online multiplayer role-playing games like World of Warcraft, yep. um, which I love. And um, he's got a really good story where um, there's a, a mother, and she's telling the story. Oh, great. Her daughter <laughs> goes to uh, summer camp, and the mom's like, oh, I'm going to see what my daughter's doing on the computer all the time with this Warcraft thing. <laughs> And she basically steals her daughter's World of Warcraft account while she is away at summer camp. And the daughter comes back and she's like, Mom, like, what the heck? And her mom's like way ahead of where the daughter was when she was playing. And the mom is oh just completely God. obsessed with Warcraft when her daughter comes it, back from camp. I love camp. it. 
<laughs> oh, how would you feel though if you if you came back, put yourself in the daughter's shoes? You are an avid World of Warcraft player. Yeah. <laughs> so how would you feel if you came back and your parents? Um. Well, first thing I would do is change my password. <laughs> um. I would hope that my parents created their own characters and didn't mess with my characters. <laughs> And I would let them have their characters back, but I would take everything. Take, <laughs> take, take all their gold, take their weapons, take their armor, and then be like, all right, mom, like you can have uh, this character, but I, I took all your stuff and I'm changing my password. Get your own account. <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> uh, but yeah, online play is kind of like like you were saying earlier. Like it used to be, gaming used to be a communal thing. Mm-hmm. Like we'd gather around a table and then we would go to the arcades. Yes. And um, then we went back to the consoles, and then we kind of went to online, and now we're kind of back onto the digital or the, the yeah, like virtual. Ga- gaming is more connected to other people than it ever has been before. I think right. Um, people are playing you know card games and board games in person a whole lot. Dungeons and Dragons is more popular than it's really ever been. Thanks, Stranger Things. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, like. Uh, Magic the Gathering, the card yep. game is super popular. Yep. Um, and you know, ar- arcades are the one thing I think that have suffered. Do you think they'll make time. a comeback? Um, I don't know. I mean, there's there's some some decent ones out there. Um, oh, actually, um, so Marvin's Marvelous Mechanical Museum yes. is something I always want to talk about. It's a and fantastic. Place we to didn't go. we didn't really think about talking about this until we were trying to record the first time. <laughs> Um, but Marvin's Marvis- Marvelous Mechanical Museum is an arcade in Farmington Hills, Michigan. Uh, it's on like 14 Mile and Orchard Lake or so. It's fantastic. And it is a, like, it is both an arcade and a museum. And it has just the weirdest hundred some year old oh, yeah. arcade machines that you've it, ever seen. It's got the pinballs. It's got the, some of the modern ones where you, um, uh, like crazy taxi and things like that. Mm-hmm. But the old, like 1910s one. Like the 1920s one, like they're yeah. so they're not even games. They're like my my favorite one was the one. It's you put a quarter in, and it's like a church building. And when you put the quarter in, the church building opens up, and <laughs> the de- the devil is inside, and he's like going away on this crank, and it's like pulling all these people into hell. And it's got some weird Lutheran story, like there's some allegory in there, and there's a story connected with it. But it's it's just like a building with Satan dragging all these people <laughs> to hell in it. And it's, it's so bizarre. <laughs> uh, the, my favorite one was the doghouse where you mm. have to put your hand into this doghouse looking thing. And then you can't see it. You're just, your hand is going into this dark hole and then you hear growling. You see like red eyes mm-hmm. and then this mechanical dog comes at you, but like the, the arcade machine like blows air onto your hand. Yeah, you can like feel it breathing and yeah. stuff. And... and then, but it blows this really fast, and you ah, and you pull your hand out real quick. <laughs> yeah, and th- like the goal is to keep your hand yeah. in, but right. I I watched several people do it, and almost no one was successful. Almost no one ever does it. <laughs> it almost... causes me anxiety thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but Marvelous Marvelous Mechanical Museum is exactly that. It's marvelous. Yeah, go check take, it out. Take a look. You will not regret it. It's worth an afternoon visit there. Right. Um, and so actually on the topic of arcades, um, I chose a book called Arcade Fever by John Sellers. Um, and it really focuses on arcades in the 80s. Um, each two-page spread has, you know, different popular arcade games like Donkey Kong and Cubert and Centipede. Okay. Um, 
And it's just got, you know, who the publisher is, what kind of hardware it ran on, the artwork from the cabinets and everything like that. Oh, some of those are um, epic. Yeah, yeah. They're very memorable and, like, remind me of going to Major Magics and stuff as a kid or, like, any any children's play place with animatronic <laughs> animals and stuff. <laughs> um, but uh, it's, it's a decent book, but there are some things in it that were slightly inaccurate. Um, it does say that 50 billion copies of the Centipede arcade game were made. I've heard this three times. I know. It still is it's, unbelievable. It still blows my mind that they <laughs> There's missed no way. that. There's no way. Actually, the way it was phrased, it said 50,000 million. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's like that's 50 billion. billion. Yeah. Um, but that would mean every person in the United States would own 125 copies of Centipede as an arcade cabinet, which is like far larger than my house actually is. <laughs> I don't, yeah. So I, 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 I don't think that's real. I don't think that's real. I've only seen like maybe one or one centipede game at the arcades that I used to go to. If yeah. this were a true statistic, there'd be like six. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like there would be entire like yeah. cities made of, <laughs> of these midways of nothing, but like how many people exist uh, in the world today? Like four or 5 billion or something, something like, like that. 6 billion. But that's like enough for everyone in the world Yes. To own 10 of these yeah, things, yeah. too, which is definitely not the case. Definitely not so, the case. Questionable content uh, in this, but, I mean, obviously still. just a typo, um, but there's a lot of good information in it if you're looking for more information on arcades. Yeah, and and I read a book um, for this podcast called Console Wars by Blake J. Harris. It mostly focuses on the 1990s and Nintendo and um, Sega. That's my favorite period of video games. <laughs> but yeah, that's when a lot of stuff came out. But I um, I brought it up because Sega was a failing arcade company at the time. Mm-hmm. And then so they saw that Nintendo, who had something ridiculous like 90% of the market. Oh, yeah. Of, the early like, 90s. Oh, yeah. Like they, they Everybody had there. a Nintendo entertainment system. So Sega was like, well, we can do it. And they came out with the Sega Genesis or um, uh, Mega Drive, depending on where you live yeah, in the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they came out with the Sega Genesis that had better so- hardware. Mm-hmm. In fact, their their marketing was like, welcome to the next level, right? Because yeah. we're better. And, and it was like 32-bit or, or something. 16-bit or something. 16 or yeah. 32. So it yeah. was better. It was the superior machine. But Nintendo had such a huge chunk of the market. Right. So <laughs> Sega decides to play dirty. And they just like go, like, the Nintendo's your grandma's console. <laughs> Like they were just like ruthless and and bitter with their advertising. Yeah, I and, remember some of those commercials. Yeah, like when I was a kid, like Sega at the time was like the edgy mm-hmm. company, um, extreme. Yeah. yeah, but then when you look back at like what was edgy in 1992, you're like, oh, that's <laughs> that's adorable, Sega. Right. <laughs> um, and it actually caused a rift between Sega America and Sega Japan. Because Sega Japan did not like that marketing campaign at all. <laughs> they didn't like that they were so down and dirty and like low blows and under the belts and stuff. And um, uh, so they they got angry with Sega America. Yeah. And there was like a little rift there. So, But it was a fascinating book because it uh, to me, I kept reading this as the predecessor to PlayStation versus Xbox. Yeah. Which is still were around you, today. Are you Super Nintendo or Sega Genesis? Sega Genesis. PlayStation 1, no, PlayStation 2 or Xbox? Xbox. PlayStation 3 or Xbox 360? I, It was a 360. Mm. Yep. Yeah, me too, actually. I've never 
I've never liked Xbox, but I did have a 360 yeah. and not a PlayStation 3. I haven't bought a console since. So I don't I, have a, a one. I don't have a one S. I just stopped at 360. And when they stopped making games for it, I was like, well, this is going to collect dust in the closet. Now. Well, because, I mean, PC. PC. Yeah. <laughs> PC, PC is clearly superior, but I do prefer console gaming over PC gaming. Right. Um, and I, I think it's just funny that there is this riff, like, uh, uh, versus this, mm-hmm. this comp- competition. Because honestly, if you were to ask me that today, it'd be Nintendo again. For because sure. Because Nintendo Hands has down. all the fun. Fun games. Yeah, like the games I like are not like realistic shooter games. No. I like Legend of Zelda. I like Mario games. Yes. I like Mario Kart. I like. And Nintendo you know, still has those, like, like you were saying earlier, how it's online gaming community and, and right. you can play with friends across the world. But Nintendo still releases those games where you can connect like two or three or four controllers and you can get together in exactly. the living room. Like sitting in the same room and yeah. playing with three other friends is far superior to playing online with strangers that are going to be mean to you. And right. <laughs> I don't want a 12 year old telling me to do things that I don't, I'm like, yeah. no, I want to, I want to sit next to my nephew and be better than him at video games. <laughs> Actually. No, I, I visited my family and my nephew is five years old and quickly becoming better at video games than I am. And it's, it's, <laughs> so you just won't it's even... terrifying. And I'm like, Oh no, no, we can't let this happen. <laughs> My nephew who's 13 asked me to play a video game with him online once. And I was horrible at it. And he was like, Un- Un- uncle Jay, y- you can't play anymore. So, so that's why I don't play online anymore. <laughs> yeah, it I mean it really depends. Like I do over um over quarantine, um we had a um subscription to Board Game Arena. Yes. Which is like a it's a website, um but it closely it doesn't try to make board games into video games. It tries to simulate a tabletop so that you can play games on the tabletop. Yes. And like if I want to play a board game, I'll play that over, you know, a, a video game. And during quarantine, that was a really nice thing to have because you couldn't have people over to play board games or right. anything. And, like I, that. and I, I, there wasn't a resurgence in board games for a second there. Yeah, yeah. And that's where our collection came from, actually, was because of that resurgence. Like, suddenly everybody wanted to play tabletop games. They were coming out with all these new ones. They were re- mm-hmm. re-releasing all these ones. And, and they, I was actually, I looked at the statistics on our board game collection because I do buy the games for the library. And they circulate, excuse me, a lot, a lot more than I thought they did. Like, yeah. a surprising amount. Like, there's some games that the second they're checked in, they're checked out again mm-hmm. the same day. So it's like they are, they're popular items in our collection. So yeah. it's great that, that people are able to enjoy it and that, you know, the library can be part of that. I think so, too. And I think that um, it's fun to see where we came from with games and try to see, um, you know, uh where we're at with um where we're going with games. Yeah, yeah. It's exciting because like even just this morning, like I said, I, I read that article about that forty year D and D group. Yeah. And that was a link from an article I was reading, Wizards of the Coast, who is like the publisher for Dungeons and Dragons and Magic the Gathering. They had a big press conference today about um some of the projects they're working on over the next two years. Um and they're doing a lot of new stuff. What I'm seeing, what I'm noticing is a big trend right now is crossovers. Like, like 
games games, that... games just pulling in characters from oh, anywhere yeah like fighting games magic the gathering is pull like they're gonna have a lord of the rings set of cards um in Fortnite, they just added a bunch of characters from star wars and dragon ball z really and like all these franchises are just like mushing together lately and i'm i'm not opposed to it i don't always love it but if it's <laughs> like if a character i like ends up in something i'm like oh my god this is the best thing ever <laughs> if it's a character i don't like i'm like what are they doing so like super smash brothers yeah like they could add anyone to smash brothers right. and i'd be like that's super cool yeah yeah <laughs> Did they ever have Super Smash Brothers on the DS? I don't think so. They did Mario so. Kart on the DS. They did Mario Kart but on the DS. I don't... No, there was a Smash. I thought so. Yeah, yeah. The previous generation of Smash Brothers, there was a okay. DS version, yeah. Okay, because... Or maybe cause, it was 3DS. I don't remember. Because, um, I mean, handheld gaming, we kind of... We should bring that up real quick. For sure. Because, I mean, we had the... That's, that's another thing that, like, peaked... Yeah. And is is sort of on the decline now because of cell phones. Mo- yeah, really. mobile phones. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it went from let's play Sega on the or let's play Sonic on the Game Gear to let's play Candy Crush on my iPhone. Yeah, but um, no, it was uh, that was kind of the the Game Boy was released right in the heat of the Sega uh, mm-hmm. Nintendo rivalry, and so the Game Boy put you know Nintendo over the top for a second there, and then. Not to be outdone, Sega's like, well, we're going to come out with a Game Gear, which had a color screen. And uh, not as long of a battery life, but you had a color screen. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the the Game Gear had a problem where some of the games were longer than the yes. battery life yep. of the Game Gear. They, so yep. you could never actually beat it unless you had like a plug-in charger that, that would allow the battery yeah. life to be extended. <laughs> and then in 1998, when the Game Boy Color came out, no, all bets were off because it still had the battery life. Yeah, you still you could well, play and, some of the older games. And the, Pokemon came out like Pokemon. Oh yeah, single handedly like made kind of the the handheld market what it is or what it was. Yes, before smartphones kind of started to. to I dominate. was gonna say because which which DS was it that had the capability of. Um, community sharing where you would walk oh yeah party yeah. party um, game? Uh, what are they i can't remember the 3D, what they call it 3ds had the street passing street passing so like if you have your ds in your pocket and you pass another person nearby with a ds in their pocket your machines will exchange a little bit of information and so they will appear in your game and they'll help you kill a dragon or they'll give you a puzzle piece, or you'll, they'll do all kinds of fun things. And it was really cool, like, if you go to, like, a gaming or an anime convention, like, I didn't bring my DS with me everywhere I went, but when I went to a convention like that, like, you just walk down the hallway, get to where you're going, <laughs> and while you're waiting for something to start, you open it up, you see, oh, I got 10 street passes, and then you can play the little mini games and then move on. Um, and that was, like, one of my favorite things to do for, for a couple of years when that was big. Do, do they have any games like that for mobile? Um, I don't Pokemon. Pokemon Go, Go sort of, of like. Of. Um, I mean, you can trade with people nearby, but there's yeah. nothing when you pass someone. It would be neat if there was something that automatically happened, right? Like if you walk by, if you have it on your phone and I have it on my phone, if it was automatic, that'd be way cooler than having to actually open up the app and mess with it. I think so too, but um, but I guess I don't know. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I was also going to say, like that. so that came out, what, 10, 12 years ago, the 3DS? Yeah, something like that. And then as soon as the iPhone hit the market, like mm-hmm. right after that, 2013, 2014, everything just tanks. Yeah. yeah. All of it just goes do you, down. Do you play a lot of mobile games? 
not really. Um, I used to when I first got a smartphone, but now I'm like, eh. I start to, I, I spend too much time staring at screens. Yeah, exactly, so exactly. I don't well, really, yeah. And, like, I, I stare at a computer screen at work all day, and which then, is why I prefer console gaming, because I don't want to sit in front of a computer. Right. I want to sit in front of a TV and a recliner, not in a computer chair. <laughs> right, not in so. a computer chair on a monitor, <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> Bad screen, good screen. But I think there's still a market for handhelds, because, A, mobile, but, B, Switch is hybrid yeah yeah i so. play my switch more than i play pc more than i play i have a ps4 too um i i think the switch was a really smart move for nintendo because it's portable but you can also just drop it in and play it on your tv i only ever play it on my tv i never take it right. with me anywhere but and then again those have the party games like smash yeah, brothers mario party mario, Kart, mm. mario party Wario. Never have I screamed so much at video <laughs> games than I have at Mario Party. Friendships were ended in the <laughs> Nintendo yeah. 64 version. Oh yeah, the battle version. Oh, in that of like those, Mario Kart, <laughs> those games where you had to like spin the thing and it would just eat away at your hand. And <laughs> yeah, Mario Party games are good. Uh. Um, all right, so to wrap up, I'm going to ask you a couple rapid fire questions Kay. about gaming. Let's do this. Ready? Ready. Favorite board game? Omega Virus. Favorite video game? Ocarina of Time. Yes. I believe I mentioned that. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that before. Uh, Favorite arcade game? X-Men. The four-player one. Yep. Uh, PC or console? Console. Sorry. What (laughs) Monopoly piece do you pick? Top Hat. I I agree Every time, Top Hat, yeah. Uh, Nintendo, PlayStation, or Xbox? Right now, it has to be Nintendo, because they have, again, more of the games that I'm going for. The nostalgic, fun... Four player games. Who's your starter Pokemon? Squirtle. Mm. Squirtle. I always go with grass. I could talk <laughs> I could talk for an eternity about Pokemon, but we That'll we be another episode. Oh my god, we should do a full Pokemon episode. <laughs> okay, rapid fire. <laughs> Is it fun getting into trouble? Only with the Popomatic bubble. <laughs> X's or O's. Crosses. <laughs> uh, <laughs> does Mousetrap ever work no. for you? <laughs> no, it never works. Mousetrap is the worst game ever. I said it. <laughs> uh, what video game have you spent the most time playing? This surprises everybody. Twilight Princess. Yeah, that is such a surprise because those games are like, Zelda games are usually like 40-hour games. Usually. And I can't imagine that there's that much content to I take up try, that I mean, I, I, that's the one I most spent the most time on. Um, Borderlands, I think, is another one. Oh, yeah. Borderlands is. I never beat any of them. For me, World of Warcraft. There you go. And, like, there is a command. You can type it in game. It'll tell you how many hours you have spent in the game. Oh, no. I started playing it in college in 2004, (laughs) and I still play it occasionally now, and it just makes me incredibly nervous to see how much of my life I have wasted. So I have never (laughs) actually, I've never actually looked at it, but I'm ashamed. All right. (laughs) Last one. Do you have a road trip game? Car games are fun. Um, Never have I ever. Yeah, that road trip and drinking game, but not combined. <laughs> never combined. No, but that yes, never have I ever. Or the Ten Fingers. I always lose that game. Yeah, I, I particularly like 20 Questions. That's a good one. That that can, It usually goes on after 20 Questions, like a lot more than 20 Questions. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that does it for today's episode. Uh, our timer has run out. Our princess is in another castle. <laughs> and our hit points are depleted. 
So that means the episode's coming to an end. Thank you for listening, and join us next time as we talk about Banned Books Month, yes. which is September. Yes. And hopefully we'll have some special guests. Hopefully. Uh, we would like to thank Orion Neighborhood Television, ONTV, for providing the recording studios for We Blame Our Shelves. You can also find episodes of We Blame Our Shelves at our website, orionlibrary.org. If you have questions, comments, or would like to give us some topics to discuss, email us at podcast at orionlibrary.org. And you can check out everything for yourself or your shelf at your local library. Please support your library by any means you are able, and we will see you next time. We actually recorded this episode, James. We did it. Everything's moving. The timer's going. I think we're in the clear finally. Dan, knock out what? This is your burden next time, James. <laughs> Don't ruin it for us. All right. And then we click stop to end recording. We do. <laughs> Good night, everyone. <laughs>